Good morning, everybody. Are you ready to hear the word? Are you ready to get into it? If you are, turn over to Galatians chapter 2, and we're going to dive into verses 11 through 14, kind of, sort of. All right? Now, while you're turning there, let me uh, again introduce a few things to you. Remember that Gentile believers are Paul's audience. Not Jewish believers, but Gentile believers, and most of us are Gentile believers. If you're not a Jewish believer, you're Gentile. Remember also that I said that we are kind of like on a roller coaster that has been ascending up to get ready to go through that big descent, and last message, we were at the crest. Let me say this, that over in Six Flags, kind of close to where I am, there's one roller coaster where you go up the ascent and then you come up on this kind of a kind of like this hump and you think you're going to go straight down but actually it kind of takes you by surprise because it it veers to the right and you go through this small dip and it takes you a little bit higher and then you go down the big descent. Well, this message is about that dip because in order to get the most juice you can from Galatians, you need to know a little bit more background than just going through uh, verse by verse. Let me say this, that we're heading into Galatians chapter 2, verses 11 through 21, and those are some of Paul's most complex scriptures, and so we are right there. So we're going to read these Uh, scriptures 11 through 14, but then we're going to deviate or go over to the book of Acts so we can get some background information so we can understand Galatians a little bit better. So if you're in Galatians, let's go ahead and read our text. This is starting at verse 11. Paul writes this, But when Cephas came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. For before certain men came from James, he was eating with the Gentiles. But when they came, he drew back and separated himself, fearing the circumcision party. And the rest of the Jews acted hypocritically along with him, so that even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. But when I saw that their conduct was not in step with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas before them all, If you, though a Jew, live like a Gentile and not like a Jew, how can you force the Gentiles to live like Jews? Now, there's a whole lot in these four verses. Actually, yeah, four verses. What I want to do is I want to concentrate on verse 11. Paul writes, But when Cephas came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. Why in the world did Peter stand condemned? We're going to get into that. So now I want you to go over to Acts chapter 10. And we're going to start in verse 1, so just go over to Acts chapter 10. And while you're turning there, I'm going to go to Acts chapter 2. You guys are all familiar with this, but I need to make some points before we dive into Acts 10. Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, is about Pentecost. And if you're full gospel, 
You have probably heard this for years and years and years. Let me go ahead and read it. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now we're all familiar with these four verses. This is Pentecost. This is this is full gospel. This is uh, tongues, the speaking of tongues and people receiving the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Here's the thing that you probably didn't realize because very few preachers preach this aspect of it. But Pentecost, this account right here, involved Jewish believers. The hundred... The 120, they were all together in one place. That 120, they were Jews. And when you go down to Luke's account, I understand that you're in Acts 10, but just bookmark this in your mind, when, and you can go back to it later. When, Jude, when Luke describes the crowd about coming from all kinds of different nations, they were all Jews from different nations because they had been scattered. And they all came in for the festival and in Acts chapter 2, verse 11, Luke describes the crowd as Jews and proselytes. Those are Gentiles who wanted to become part of the Jewish nation. And then when you go to Acts 2, 36, you know, Peter addresses the crowd. And, and listen to what, how he does this. He says, let all the house of Israel, notice that, Therefore, know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you have crucified, you being Israel. So when Peter gets up and talks about what everybody has seen, he's talking to men of Israel. He's talking to Israelites, the Jews. Now, know this, that uh, Luke is considered to have written both his gospel and the book of Acts in chronological order. In Acts 8, you see the conversion of the Ethiopian eunuch. You know, Philip is translated over to his caravan, uh, explains the gospel to him, he gets baptized, but the thing is, he goes back to Ethiopia. So he's kind of like out of sight, out of mind. But then we come to Acts 10, and we're going to go through Acts 10 because you're going to see that Acts 10 is the Gentile Pentecost, and it was explosive. You had the, the Jewish Pentecost in Acts 2. Uh, I have very rarely heard any preaching on Acts 10, but Acts 10 is just as important as Acts 2. So let's go ahead and start reading because we're going to go through this chapter, and it's important that we go through the chapter. I understand that, uh, you know, preaching today is usually one or two small verses, maybe even a, um, just a paraphrase or a portion of Scripture, and then you hear all kinds of stories and everything else. That's modern preaching, but here it's kind of like old-fashioned word preaching. This is text-based. 
And the reason why I do text-based preaching is because it gives you a solid foundation. You understand where you're coming from with text-based preaching. So let's go ahead and read. Um, you may or may not have ever read Acts 10, Acts 10 before, um, but I think you're going to learn a lot as we go through this. And keep in mind that this is all background to what Paul said in Galatians 2.11, that Peter stood condemned, all right? So let's go ahead and read on. At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion of what was known as the Italian cohort, a devout man who feared God with all his household, gave alms generously to the people, and prayed continually to God. Now notice that he is a centurion. He is an uncircumcised Gentile. He's not a Jew. He is known uh, to be a God-fearer. And a God-fearer are, were Gentiles who they weren't part of the nation of Israel, but they recognized the God of Israel as the God of all creation. And they, didn't, they weren't proselytes. They didn't come into the nation of Israel, but they were known as God-fearers. Verse 3 says, And about the ninth hour of the day, which is about 3 p.m., he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God come in and say to him, Cornelius. And he stared at him in terror and said, What is it, Lord? And he said to him, Your prayers and your alms have ascended as a memorial before God. And now send men to Joppa and bring one Simon, who is called Peter. He is lodging with one Simon a tanner, whose house is by the sea. And when the angel who spoke to him had departed, he called two of his servants and a devout soldier from among those who attended him, and having related everything to them, he sent them to Joppa. All right, so, so what we see here is that Cornelius, a God-fearer, but an uncircumcised Gentile, has a vision, and he's instructed to send for Peter, and Peter is a Jew, a Jewish believer. Now let's read on. The next day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the housetop about the sixth hour to pray. The sixth hour was about noon. Now notice here in verse 9, I, th I thought this was cool. Um, the next day, as they were on their journey, I mean, the angel appears to Cornelius and tells him, hey, send some men over to Joppa for Peter, and Peter still hasn't had his vision yet. Peter doesn't have a clue of what's going on, and the men are already on their way to go fetch him. Now in verse 10, and he became hungry and wanted something to eat, but while they were preparing it, he fell into a trance. Now, uh, for those of you who might have read Acts 10 in the past, a lot of times, this is the focus of going to Acts 10. That Peter falls into a trance, and the emphasis is on uh, how God guides people, you know, by the leading of the Spirit, by visions, by trances, and that kind of thing. And so we usually stop here or just go through Peter's vision and not go on. But here we want to concentrate on what the purpose of the trance was. Verse 11, And saw he saw the heavens opened and something like a great sheet descending, being let down by its four corners upon the earth. 
In it were all kinds of animals and reptiles and birds of the air. And there came a voice to him, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. So get this, there's kind of, it's kind of like a big picnic blanket that, fall, that descends down to earth and it's got all kinds of animals in it. Rise and eat, or rise, kill and eat, Peter. But Peter says, By no means, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. Now stop there a minute. I mean, get this. Peter's in a trance. He sees his vision, and it says, kill and eat. All these animals lay before him, and he says, no way. I've never eaten anything that is common or unclean. Now, where does he get that? He gets that from the Torah. He gets that from Leviticus 11. I mean, you can go back and read Leviticus, Leviticus 11 because that, uh, that marks what animals are clean and unclean and all that kind of thing. And Peter says, I have never, ever eaten anything that is common or unclean. He has been, he has been pure to the Torah up until this day right here. All right? And the voice came to him again a second time. What God has made clean, do not call common. Okay, now stop there a minute. I mean, this is a little bit kind of crazy when you stand back and think about it. Because the Torah was what? From the God of Israel. I mean, then you have this voice that comes to Peter and says, What God has made clean, do not call common. Well, when you go back to the Torah, it was the God of Israel that uh, set a marker of what was clean and unclean, and now the God of Israel is appearing or having a vision with Peter saying what God has made clean, do not call common. Something has changed, and it's changed dramatically. You see that just with Peter saying, I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. I have never deviated from the Torah, never deviated at all from the Torah throughout my life. I've been pure. And then the voice comes in and announces a change has happened. What God has made clean, do not call common. And then verse 16, this happened three times, and the thing was taken up at once to heaven. And that's interesting because if you, uh, if you go back to the Gospels, you see that Peter denied the Lord three times. Remember that? And then Jesus asked Peter, do you love me three times? Because Peter had denied him three times. And now Peter sees a vision three times. And then it's, and then it's yanked back up to heaven. So now we read on because Luke continues the story. Now, Notice this account in Acts, and this is something that we don't really think about as believing Christians, but, you know, Luke included this account for a reason. I mean, it's a, it's a longer account, but you have to stand back and say, well, why is this here? What, it, what am I supposed to get out of this? And we read on, we're going to find out. Now, while Peter was inwardly perplexed as to what the vision that he had seen might mean, and, th and that makes sense, doesn't it? Because he's been a Jew all his life. And all of a sudden, he sees all these animals in a voice that says, 
do not call common what God has made clean. Well, it included the unclean animals pursuant to, you know, Leviticus 11. So Peter's trying to figure this out. And behold, the men who were sent by Cornelius, having made inquiry in, for Simon's house, stood at the gate and called out to ask whether Simon, who was called Peter, was lodging there. You know, imagine that. So said, you're trying to figure out this vision, and all of a sudden these men are down at the gate asking about you. And while Peter was pondering the vision, the Spirit said to him, Behold, three men are looking for you. Rise and go and accompany them without hesitation or without doubting, for I have sent them. And Peter went down to the men and said, I am the one you're looking for. Why are you, what is the reason for your coming? And they said, Cornelius, a centurion, an upright and God-fearing man, who is well spoken of by what? The whole Jewish nation, the Jews, was directed by a holy angel to send for you to come to his house and to hear what you have to say. Now, that's kind of funny, isn't it? Because Peter is still trying to figure out what the vision is all about. And three men show up and say, hey, an angel appeared to our boss, and our boss has sent us to fetch you because our boss wants to know what you've got to say to him. And so verse 23, so he invited them in to be his guests. Now, right there and then... Um, that is something that we're going to come back to probably, if I can remember to do it. But Peter, right there and then, is acting on the vision because Jews and Gentiles did not, uh, they didn't do anything together. And you're going to see that with Peter. Now, let me say that with a caveat because, you know, in talking about the whole Jewish nation, you know, you had Jews who didn't comply with the Torah, who, you know, they just did whatever their own what they wanted to do. They didn't obey it. And so through history, you see that, yeah, there were some Jews that sat down with Gentiles and never had any problem with it. But here you see that Peter kept himself pure through his whole life. And in verse 23, he starts to act on the vision. Because why? Because the God of Israel sent the men to come see him. So going on, we read, the next day he rose and went away with them and notice this, and some of the brothers from Joppa accompanied him. Now, these are Jewish believers. They're not Gentiles, they're Jews. And on the following day, they entered Caesarea. Cornelius was expecting them, and had called together his relatives and close friends. Now, Luke doesn't say that they're Jewish friends, they're all Gentile friends. I mean, that's what the context is. His relatives... You know, they're not Jews, they're uncircumcised people and close friends. And when Peter entered, Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet and worshipped him. But Peter lifted him up and said, stand up, I too am a man. Cornelius is actually just giving him honor. He recognizes him, Peter, to be what? Sent from God, actually, because of the vision. And, he's, and as he talked with him, he went in and found many persons gathered. And he said to them, you yourselves know how unlawful, what is that? Law of Moses, 
It is for a Jew to associate with or to visit anyone of another nation. But God has shown me that I should not call any person common or unclean. That's what we get from the vision. Now, what's interesting here is you go back to the law of Moses. Uh, the law of Moses doesn't actually say that Jews should not associate with Gentiles at all. It doesn't say that. But that's how things cropped up from the law of Moses. You have the law, and then you also have the tradition. And traditionally, Jews stayed away from Gentiles because they saw them as unclean. And as we, uh, as we talked about earlier on in uh, Paul's history, what the Pharisees took it upon themselves to try to help make Israel pure so God would return to Israel. So here, Peter says, You yourselves, you Gentiles yourselves know how unlawful it is for a Jew to associate with or to visit anyone of another nation. But God has shown me that I should not call any person common or unclean. Now, that's a revelation. Because Gentiles were considered to be unclean. There was a dividing wall, and that dividing wall was a Torah, right? You have, you have circumcision, the sign of the covenant, and then you have everybody outside the commonwealth of Israel. I mean, the rest of the world, Israel and the world. And Peter says here, but God has shown me, referring to this vision, not to call anybody common or unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without objection. And I asked then why you sent for me. Isn't that interesting? So Cornelius answers him and says, Four days ago, about this hour, I was praying at my house at the ninth hour, and behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing and said, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard, and your alms have been remembered before God. Send therefore to Joppa and ask for Simon, who is called Peter. He's lodging in the house of Simon, a tanner by the sea. We went through this before. This is just rehearsing the account. And so I sent for you at once, and you have been kind enough to come. Now, therefore, we are all here in the presence of God. Isn't that funny? Peter has an immediate audience. I mean, Cornelius calls all his friends, all his relatives, and he says, okay, we're all here to hear all that you have been commanded by the Lord. Well, you know, the Lord didn't command Peter to say anything, actually, when you go back to the vision. But then we get to verse 34. And then Luke writes this, So Peter opened his mouth. And the reason why Luke does that is that he's demonstrating inspired prophecy. You go back to the Gospels, and what does the Lord say? Don't worry about what you have to say. Just open your mouth, and I will fill it. And that is an indication of inspired speech. And that's what Luke is doing here. He's saying, So Peter opened his mouth with inspired speech and said, Truly, I understand that God shows no partiality. That's a revelation. Because what? You had Jews and Gentiles. But Peter goes on and says, But in every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. As for the word that he sent to Israel, preaching good news of peace through Jesus Christ, and there's a parenthetical here where he says he is Lord of all, which that, again, is a revelation. Because why? Because you had God, 
the God of Israel. You didn't have the God of all the world, you had the God of Israel. Verse 37, he goes on and says, You yourselves know what happened throughout all Judea, beginning from Galilee after the baptism that John proclaimed. That's John the Baptist. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And we are witnesses of all that he did, both in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. Again, that harkens back to what Jesus' ministry, where he said he was called, what, to the lost sheep of Israel. Remember that from the Gospels. The country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on a tree. He's referring to the Jews. But God raised him up on the third day and made him to appear not to all the people, but to us who had been chosen by God as witnesses who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one appointed by God to be judge of the living and the dead. To him, all the prophets, notice that the prophets, those are Israel's prophets, they are of the Torah. Remember that the Torah can refer to the law of Moses or it can refer to all the Hebrew scriptures. All the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. Or you could, uh, or it actually says this, receives a freedom from sins through his name. So Peter here says that uh, he commanded us to preach well, let me go to, in verse 35, he says, But in every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. Now, what's interesting here is that Peter is acknowledging that, well, the Gentiles can be clean, right? I mean, you had the unclean and clean animals, and then God has said, Don't call common what I've made clean. But question is, how are they made clean? Peter just has his vision, and he understands that what? The Gentiles can be brought in. But then we go to, uh, we go to Acts 10.44, and this is, this is the dramatic point in the account. This is why Luke has gone all the way and given us this full account of Peter's vision and Cornelius and everything else. Verse 44, while Peter was still saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word. That's Cornelius, all his relatives, and all his friends that are sitting there as an audience to hear what Peter had to say. This is on all of them. All the uncircumcised Gentiles there in that house. Notice how this is the same as Acts chapter 2. The Holy Spirit falls on all those who heard the word. And the believers from what? The circumcised who had come with Peter, those are circumcised believers, Jewish believers. Those Jewish believers who had come with Peter were what? Amazed. Amazed, astonished, because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles. And get this. 
without any circumcision, without any announcement that they had to come under the law of Moses. Verse 46, for they were hearing them speaking in tongues and extolling God. And again, that matches Acts chapter 2, because the believers were what? Speaking in tongues, and all the crowd heard the believers speaking in their native languages. And you get into that, that involves supernatural hearing. It wasn't that the believers were speaking in native languages, they were speaking in tongues. And the hearers heard their native languages. You had the same thing going on here, for they were hearing them speaking in tongues and extolling God. It doesn't say, Luke doesn't say, well, uh, they heard them speaking in Hebrew. No, they're speaking in tongues, and the Jewish believers understood them to be extolling God. Then Peter declared, can anyone, can anyone withhold water for baptizing these people, notice this, who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. This was news to them. You know, uh, while Peter's speaking, the Holy Spirit falls on them just the same way as it was in Acts 2. So actually, there is no partiality. There is no distinction. Peter and those Jewish believers did not uh, line up Cornelius and all the male members there and say, okay, we're going to circumcise you before Peter gives the word about his vision. Didn't do anything like that. No, Peter's explaining his vision, and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit falls on uncircumcised Gentiles. So in 48... And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, and they asked him to remain for some days. Now notice they asked him to remain for some days. Turns out that he did. And that that becomes important as we read on. But just get, get the heft of what Luke is saying here. You have a Gentile Pentecost here in Acts 10. Before that, Peter... Peter might have preached, you know, he might have preached to what the children of Israel about the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, but the gospel is being hemmed in to just Jewish believers. And here in Acts 10, God demonstrates to Peter, oh no, the gospel goes out to everyone. And there is no requirement that the Gentiles come in under the law. The Holy, as Peter says, uh, the Gentiles receive the Holy Spirit just as they have. Now, this is where we get into Galatians, because when we read on, here comes the issue. 11.1. Now the apostles and the brothers who were throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles had also received the word of God. I mean, this news went everywhere. said, holy cow, you know, things have changed. Thousands and thousands of years have changed. Now, God's Spirit is being, what, poured out on even uncircumcised Gentiles. Verse 2, so when Peter went up to Jerusalem, mothership Jerusalem, notice this, notice this. The circumcision 
party. You could say the circumcision faction because all the, all the believing Jews were circumcised. But what Luke is emphasizing here that there was a faction in Jerusalem and look, they criticized him. Stop right there. Think about this. Peter has a vision from God. He's got this vision of animals. He's got the blanket. It's shown to him three times. He's got people showing up at the gate. They're saying, hey, there's another vision. An angel appeared and all this stuff. And they criticized him saying what? You went to uncircumcised men and ate with them? They're still seeing the distinction between clean and unclean. They're still pulling in the Torah, the law of Moses. Notice that because this is the buildup. This is the background to why Peter stood condemned over in Galatians. We're going to see that when we get back to those scriptures. But notice the context here. You've got Jewish believers saying to Peter, what? You sat down with uncircumcised men and ate with them. You're violating the Torah, basically what they're saying. They're saying that the Torah is still in effect. And this is where we go back to what? Acts 15, where you have this circumcision faction that's saying that Gentile believers need to come under the law of Moses to be saved. And with that, we go back to Galatians 2.11. But when Cephas came to Antioch, Antioch was a church that had both Jewish believers and Gentiles believe, believers in it. Paul says, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. And we're going to end it right there because we're going to get into these verses in the very next message. But this was the background of why Peter stood condemned before Paul. Amen. So with that, let me go ahead and end it the way that Paul ends his letter in Galatians. I pray that the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brothers. Amen. 